Dunk. This is Lee Dort, and I'm down to Dort. I'm Josh Giddy, and I'm down to Dunk. Hey, this is Kenny Hustle, and I'm down to Dunk. I'm Darius Baisley, and I'm down to Dunk. I'm Mike Muscala, and I'm down to Dunk. This is Poku, and I'm down to Dunk. I love cereal. Captain Crunch. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Cracklin' Oat Brand. Oh, I can have these? I'm going to share with my team, but I'm a hog most of them. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network, which is officially a part of the New York Times today, Al. It's done. Oh, really? It's closed. Finished. We're employees with Wordle. We are Wordle now. This is a Wordle podcast, so get ready for <laughs> some spoilers. It's going to be very visual, so you really got to tune in. <laughs> oh, with me today is my good friend, Alex Spears. Alex, what's up? What's up, Andrew? It's February. Boy, didn't January fly by, wouldn't you say? I would say, yes. Flew by. In, and uh, in some and ways, on Monday yes, night. In, in some ways, I mean, the last week of, of January was complete just hell on earth for me <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> except for the thursday pod that was your one shining light of yeah the oh man it was, <laughs> was such a one is a hilarious show and if there was somehow a way for you guys to see me as i was <laughs> like making sure the show was happening it i mean i felt like i was gonna die during the whole thing <laughs> Uh, that well, we kind of thought you might have died when like it didn't stop at the end, and we were like, "What if Andrew's just like <laughs> asleep or not with us anymore, and this pod just goes on forever because no one ever stops it?" <laughs> it was long. That was a long pod. Uh, another thing that felt really long was the uh, the Blazers game on Monday. It was such a brutal basketball game in so many yeah, ways. It felt like two different games. Yes, definitely. Like, completely different games. Like, that team, that Blazers team from the second half, like, that's probably the worst team I've seen all season. Yes. Whatever that was. Well, I mean, I I went up, so my my cousin has season tickets, and I usually at halftime I go up and see him. And I was talking to him and a few of his friends. I'm like, man, the way that the lineups at the Thunder are playing in this first half, I would say that they're absolutely tanking this game. Yeah, the the way that they're playing, the guys that they're playing, they didn't play Josh Giddy with one shooter the entire first half, and I was like, <laughs> this is like a, the biggest tank job ever. And then they flipped everything. They flipped the lineups too. Like they played a pretty much shooters with Giddy lineup, and it worked. <laughs> surprise, surprise, it worked, and everything was different for the Thunder. And yeah, the. Man, the Blazers were miserable. The Thunder did a good job defensively of shutting down like option number one, option number two, and then it's like, okay, Blazers, what else you got? And the answer was, we got nothing. Like that's what we happened. We got nothing, the entire and we're not really minute. interested in <laughs> trying to figure out anything. <laughs> it was so weird. It was such a weird basketball game. Because I wanted to chalk it. You know, I, I, obviously, I want to give the Thunder credit. Because obviously they did something like they they were the team that was playing with energy through that second half, the team that seemed to care. And you're like, wow, I, I, I guess Dort like really did well on Anthony Simons. And then you go back and watch Anthony Simons shots 
And it's like he took 12 of his 16 from three. Yeah. And it, like most of those were open or wide open or like a guy was closing late. Like if he just had a normal shooting night, mm-hmm. he would have had his points. But he was so bad from three, which was really like an outlier game for him over this recent stretch. It is. So I want to give the Thunder credit, but also like the Blazers were just awful Terrible. in that in that second half. Terrible. But uh, and it was funny listening to the Blazers podcast afterwards because you know Blazers fans are not as like open to the idea of a tank as as Thunder fans are, mm-hmm. um, and maybe that's because they've been here a lot longer, so they they have some older fans as well where that's just like you know you would never do that. And yeah. so they're they're like hanging in this balance through all of January. Like, I mean, there were Blazers fans talking themselves into should we bring Nurk back? And I don't know if you read that Jason Quick article on the Athletic. Mm-hmm. He interviewed Nurk, and Nurk basically said like after uh, Joe Cronin was hired as the interim GM, he basically said like no, we're still going to bring you back and build around this. And Blazers fans are like either freaking out about that or like finally like give Nurk his touches because he's really good when he gets his touches. <laughs> Even though, like, we all know that how that's going to go eventually. Yeah. Um. So, like, that game was, I hope, for them, like, very eye-opening. Like, this team sucks. Like, this team isn't good. These guys don't want to be here. Yeah. I think the best excuse you could make for the Blazers is that somebody, multiple guys on that team know they're about to be traded because that's how they were playing. They were playing, like, I don't really care about this game. I'm not going to be on this team in a week. Yeah, and... Chauncey's demeanor on the sidelines was just kind of strange the whole time. There wasn't a lot of fire coming coming from Chauncey either. Yeah, um, like the most I saw him doing when he was up was like slapping Greg Brown on the butt. But like that's about that's about it. That was going on, <laughs> you know, trying to encourage him because like hey, Greg Brown is like clearly not ready to be an NBA player. Like he was freaking terrible. Uh, so, yeah, it was just a weird, a weird, weird game. And then Chauncey like goes up and like hugs Mark Degnault after the game and like compliments him and stuff. I don't know. It was just oh really some yeah. And I'm telling you, and I talked about this on the Dream Team show yesterday. Coaches don't do that. Never. It's it's the it's a wave, and then that's it. I actually got a shot of whenever the Thunder beat the Cl- I think it was the Clippers. And Shea hit that step back three to win the game. You know, Mark just waves and walks out. And everybody was like, oh, what a baller. Just just a <laughs> wave and we'll walk away. The, the truth is, like, that is every single game. That's how the coaches right. do it. It's just a wave to the yeah. coach and we're out of here. Because they're all ballers, <laughs> Andrew. That's right. <laughs> Chauncey, Chauncey came over and took time to talk to him. I actually think I have a, I think I took a picture of it. Uh, that almost makes you think that they were purposely tanking and they were like happy about what was going on. And this is all part of their grand plan. <laughs> Maybe so. Oh yeah, I got a, I got a picture of it. I'm going to see if I can actually send it to myself and put it on the stream. Because it is, it was just weird. It was just interesting because it's, it just doesn't happen at all i don't know if that I, I assume it's mostly covid related where they just want to have the least amount of interactions possible mark said he never yeah. met chauncey before he didn't know him at all uh, oh really and then he also referred to him as a great celtic he did 
he was drafted by the Celtics. He played there like half a season or something. I know. That's where I didn't. He was like being very, very nice about Chauncey and then called him a great Celtic, which felt almost sarcastic. <laughs> I don't know. He played 51 games. I don't know if they were particularly memorable. Well, he got traded. Definitely wasn't a great Celtic. I wasn't mean, he wasn't he drafted not. by Patino? Yeah, that was the problem. Um yeah, so here they are. Just there they are. Chatting it up post game. Just really strange. I don't really know what well, to what to think about that. So on first watch, and I probably just had that first half like ingrained in my brain, but you know, going into that game, this is the first game without Shea. So I'm thinking, okay, we're getting the Josh Giddy show. Let's yeah. go. Mm-hmm. This is gonna be fun. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't. I mean, like, he had a good game, kind of. Like, he, he was rebounding well. He, he picked up the scoring in the second half. Yep. But it wasn't like the – it wasn't like a point god performance from yeah. Josh Giddy in terms of, like, yeah. orchestrating the team. Yeah. And he, he only finishes with four assists. And so, in that respect, I was a little bit disappointed. And then I went up – I was just looking at some of the stats from that game. He did have 17 potential assists. I was going to say, people were, <laughs> were clanking. And that game Which out. makes me think it was probably more of the shooting um, than it was anything else. But yeah. I wanted to ask you because, you know, if I was worried about something in his game, mm-hmm. it would be his handle because sure. we saw it in that first quarter. You know, mm-hmm. I don't care when he turns over the ball, when he's throwing a pass, like mm-hmm. when he has a bad pass, because I just believe in his passing so much. Mm-hmm. And I figure like he had two passes picked off by Robert Covington, who's who's very good in that kind of roamer role. And yeah. he picked off two of his passes. Who cares? The the ones that worry me are when he turns it over like in isolation in the half court where he's just trying to like dribble past a guy. Mm-hmm. And he had two of those in the first quarter. But here's what I want to ask you. There's four – I'm going to give you four types of plays. Okay. And you're going to try to guess – his ranking in terms of his overall percentile in the M- NBA mm-hmm. for those types of plays. So we got isolation, okay. transition, pick and roll ball handler, and mm-hmm. cuts. So okay. isolation, transition, pick and roll ball handler, cuts. What do you think he's like the best at in terms compared to the rest of the league down to the worst? Cuts, number one. Okay, number two. Um, I feel like this is going to be weird. Uh, maybe I'll say, I'll say cuts isolation pick and roll ball handler transition um okay so let's just go through these one by one his the one that he's the best at in terms of relative to the league is isolation yeah which i, I think part of that has to the do top, with that is so weird i know and i think part of that is just that he doesn't do it a lot like shay in comparison gets seven iso possessions per game Giddy's only getting 0.8. Now, yeah. that's probably going to go up during this next stretch. So we'll see if this holds up. But right now, he's in the 86th percentile in the league in terms of isolation points per possession. Yeah, that's not real. I don't think that's, that's going to hold up, but well, that's just where it is right now. It's just not real. You know, It doesn't seem real. Second is cuts, 1.22 points per possession, which sounds very good. That's the 44th percentile. You know, Cuts are obviously going to be a highly efficient shot. But he, I think he's doing really well on that, even though 44th percentile doesn't seem like that amazing. I'm, I'm still like feeling good about that. Mm-hmm. Next, transition, which this was interesting to me because I'm, I'm watching back his plays from that game, 
And his handle really isn't an issue in transition because yeah. in transition, he can he uses his body a lot more. He's sure. because they're in transition, guys are on their back foot. He can get to the side of them, which is the whole problem in half court. It's like he has trouble getting around these guys. Mm-hmm. Transition, or if he's coming off a handoff, it's much easier for him to do that. So I was thinking, okay, he must be really good at transition. 0.97 points per possession, 26th percentile. Part of that is that OKC is the third worst transition team in the say, league. They don't run ever. You they look, don't. You look at transition points after every single game, and it's like four, seven, eight. There's like none. And that's one of the areas where I think Giddy would be really good because you watch some of those finishes in the Trailblazers games. Like yeah. he's a he. I think he's a, going to be a good finisher at the rim. Yeah. And he knows how to use his body in the open court. Like, we obviously know he can pass if there were any shooters on this team. So I think that will be a strength. It just doesn't seem like the team is emphasizing that right now. Well, that's that's part of the problem is that – and also when we're talking about transition, transition isn't just what you think of. It's not just a fast break. It's getting – you could you could count a transition three if you're getting into the offense quickly and getting a quick three. The Thunder run offense – almost every single play, whether it's like an offensive set or they just run spread. Like toward the end of the mm-hmm. game, they were just running spread over and over again. And But they run a lot of offense. Like that's one of the things that, that Mark really wants them to do. He also, I mean, he's also yelling for them to push it, push it, push it. And a lot of times they don't really push it that hard. But they're always running a set. Like they're always running some kind of offensive set. And when you have no shooting, it's... It's why they have the worst offense in the NBA. Like, frankly, like that's this is part of yeah. why. And the the only two teams that are worse in transition, Houston makes sense. Yeah. And the Clippers, which also kind of makes sense if you think about it, because yeah. like they're more of a defensive team. They don't really have that lead ball handler <laughs> no. who could do anything. Uh, but then last, so we, we've gone ISO cuts transition. Last is pick and roll ball handler. Mm-hmm. Which you would think this, I mean, even if it's not something he's amazing at, it should be something he's doing a lot because of the way, I mean, just the player he is. 0.65 points per possession, 19th percentile. Importantly, 24% turnover frequency, which means when he's the pick-and-roll ball handler, he turns the ball over one out of every four times. Mm -hmm. In comparison, Shea is 0.88 points per possession, 62nd percentile. He only turns the ball over on 11%. Yeah. of his pick and roll plays. That we're going to get to see a lot of that over, you know, this next couple of weeks until Shea comes back. So, mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to revisit these numbers because I mean, he's going to get way more possessions for all of these types of plays over these next few weeks. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of want to see where we feel about all of these. Like what are going to be the strengths of his offensive game going forward? Yeah. Cuz right now I would think of him you know, I think of him in my head as this like offensive maestro who's going to like lead the team and is is like setting everyone up. But I almost like him more just as a rookie, not saying long term, but I almost like him more right now off ball because he is so good off ball. He's either relocating or he's making quick decisions when he does get a pass or he's cutting, which is how he's getting all these rebounds or he's getting these like easy attempts at the rim. Like he's mm-hmm. so good at that part of his game right now. Yeah. Um, so it'll be fun to see him more on ball, which is probably the weaker aspect of his game right now. Yeah. And I mean, part of the problem is that the guys setting the screen, I mean, it was f- favors. 
you know. Yeah. I mean, you there's no threat. Like teams are not threatened by anybody except for a catch and shoot Muscala three, you know, from the big position. Mm-hmm. Like they're not threatened by JRE, they're not threatened by favors, they're not threatened by any of these guys. So you can play it differently. And right now, if you do crowd Giddy, like he's probably going to turn the ball over. I mean, that's just where he is. Unless he can get his defender, you know, in jail, which he actually does a pretty good job of getting him on his on his backside and keeping them there. And then he can, and he actually keeps them there and then is able to make decisions out of that, whether that be drive all the way to the cup or make a pass. Like he does, he does a good job of that, which is a little bit unusual for a rookie. Um, so that's, I mean, to me, that's a good sign that he can, that once he gets position, like he knows how to keep it and use his body. Um, you know, Chris Paul did, did, does that a lot. A lot of really good guards do that. And yeah. so there's, there's definitely some good signs there. And I just, I just have to think if there was one shooter on the wing that anybody cared about and a big that knew how to set a screen that, had, that was a scoring threat then I think things look a lot different for him in the pick and roll because he is a really good decision maker and he's a really good passer. And he, but right now he's got no space because nobody cares about the shooters that are on this team and nobody cares about the big. And so it's just, we can just crowd him so much and get the ball. And if he does make a pass and they score, who cares? Like that's probably not like the, I don't know what the points per possession is overall for the Thunder of the pick and roll, but I bet it's pretty low just because they don't have anybody that can score. so. But don't you think, I mean, one of the reasons why not we don't just need shooters, but like we need movement shooters, is because I think that will make it easier on Giddy. Because it's almost like, it would almost remind me of like the old Celtic teams with Rondo. Yeah. Where he wasn't like some amazing offensive player himself mm-hmm. in terms of like, you know, going ISO on a guy. But he could like pick apart a defense because you'd yeah. have like Ray Allen running around screens. You'd have Paul Pierce moving. Like if Giddy had that and could just pick apart a defense, you you would trust him one hundred percent. Yeah. But you but we don't really have a shooter like that. Like I feel like Trey Mann could maybe develop into that. That doesn't yeah. really seem like it's his game right now, though. Mm-mm. It's definitely not his game. But I think that Trey, they're really trying to figure out what Trey is, and they're. I don't know if you heard Mark's response the other night after the game. I asked him if he liked the kind of shots that Trey was getting. And he was like, yeah. He's like, but I want more. And I need him to be more aggressive than he's being. Like, he's being too passive. He's not seeing the cracks in the defense, you know. He's got to – we want we want more from him offensively, which I which is, thought was Which is good to hear because that's like what we've been talking about. And – the type of player Trey Mann projects to be needs to be irrationally confident. Yeah. And like he, he is not that right now. He's like, not that period. Yeah. Yeah. And there's players who do come in the league and just start jacking up shots. And like you almost want him to have some of that mentality because mm-hmm. he could get a shot whenever he wants. But he, it seems like he's trying really hard to like play within the offense and play as a part of the team yeah. and you kind of just want him to say, okay, that's great. But could you just, tr- just try to take over and, and just see what happens for mm-hmm. a little while, especially yeah. right now with Shea out. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I, I don't, there's, 
I like Trey. His game is really interesting. He's got the step back is just beautiful. <laughs> it's just one of the yeah. it's one of the better step backs in the entire NBA. There's there's just some personality stuff with him that is just it makes me kind of pause a little bit with him, honestly. Like he's he's just really he just he seems really young and yeah. perhaps, you know, he just needs some time. Um, but yeah, he's got, he's got so much to his game and you would think that he, with, with the type of game he has, you'd think that he'd have the personality of like a Dion waiters or something like that, you know? Right. Yeah. And he is the antithesis of Dion <laughs> in so many ways. Like I will, I'll say that, um, cause Dion and guys like Dion and like Carmelo Anthony, like they just. Well, even someone like Cam Thomas, like Cam Thomas went into Brooklyn with like KD, Harden, and Kyrie and is just like getting up shots. Yep, it's the same attitude. does not care. Yeah, and Cam has had not that great of a season. (laughs) Like, let's let's be clear. (laughs) And I don't know that a person... uh, It's just really, it's delicate because the Thunder want Trey to do certain things and he's absolutely willing to do them. It's defend, it's rebound, it's mix it up with like he's doing everything that they ask, which is awesome. Like he's extremely, extremely coachable, which is great. Like Cam Thomas, I don't know how coachable Cam Thomas is. Like I don't know that you could get him to buy into the broccoli Skittles mentality. You know, like Cam Thomas is Skittles only, <laughs> strictly Skittles. Trey is very willing and open to do what the Thunder want him to do. So I'm just so curious to see how it turns out because like these scores, a lot of them have like this, just this mentality about them where they're just like, I can score on anybody whenever I want, however I want. And Trey has got the skill set, but he doesn't seem to have that mentality. I just don't know. I just don't know how you shape that. I don't know what that ends up looking like. I just think it's, and you, it's very intriguing you know- to me. What it might mean is that it just takes longer. Like, I think Anthony Simons is actually a good example because Anthony Simons, I mean, this is his fourth year in the league, and he's finally showing something other than just shooting threes. Like, Portland has known he's been a shooter this entire time, Mm -hmm. but he's never really taken that next step to show, like, everything else in his game. And he also doesn't come across or at least he didn't these last few years as like a killer necessarily. Like he yeah. always was one of these guys that just looks like super young, super skinny. Mm-hmm. And then he finally is blossoming into the player he's going to be in his fourth season. Yep. Maybe it'll be something similar with Trey where it just takes him a little while to get to that point. Yeah. I'd actually, I, I was actually thinking about that because I don't think that's a horrible comp for him. Yeah. And career wise, it took Simons a few years, you know, like you said, like it just takes, sometimes it just takes guys time, you know, like Anthony Simons, let's go through his stats. Three points, his rookie season played seven minutes a game next year, eight points. He played 20 minutes a game. So he got double the shots, more than double the shots and double the points. Great. Next year he took a step back seven points and now he's up to 15. I mean, that shows you like the the progression of these players isn't always linear. Like it can take some time, and and it's so much easier when you're them. a Blazers fan 
and it's like, well, we're still making the playoffs. Like you have so much else to distract you. Yeah. Whereas with the Thunder, we're <laughs> like, this is all we have. Like the development is all there is. Yeah. And and so we are like hyper focused on Trey Mann's development. Put him in that same mold of Anthony Simons. Like I can't even imagine having to wait four years to see Trey Mann like actually become the player he's going to be, even though that's more likely to be like the reality. Yeah. Well, and Tyler Nevins in the chat made a good point. Like Simon skipped college, so you can add a year of development to comp out Trey properly. I mean, Trey played two years in college. So, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe the, and and everybody's runways looks different. Um, But yeah, it's, I'm just really intrigued by Trey. I hope that it works. I really hope it works out for him because he's legitimately like a really good guy. And I think that his skill set is one that really the Thunder haven't had a guy like that that was more of like a role player, you know, that was just like a bucket getter. I mean, uh, it probably would be Dion. Like, I don't even know who else would, who I mean, else it would be. Reggie is probably another one, but Reggie, oh, yeah. Reggie wasn't a natural, wasn't like a natural fluid scorer like this. He also couldn't sh- shoot back then. Right. So... And Dion really couldn't shoot either. <laughs> you know? Finally, you admit it. Yeah. So, <laughs> I'm just, I don't know. I like, I like the pick at, you know, looking back at the draft. Like, I really do like the pick that was made there. And, you know, I hope that he's able to be successful. I just, there's just a lot of question marks with it. Uh, let's take a quick break, out, and then we'll come back. We'll talk about the, the Rising Stars Challenge. And we're back from that quick break. <laughs> You're desperately trying to think of something we could talk about. No, no, no. I actually, I, no, 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 no. Wait, wait. No, bef- no. Before we go to the Rising Stars, though, I, w- I do want to talk about Bays real quick. Okay. I, I want to give some updated Bays starter versus bench stats. Sure. Uh, because he's now up to 15 games off the bench. He had 26 games as a starter this year. Interestingly, his shot profile hasn't really changed, mm-hmm. which part of me like that kind of worries me because it's like <laughs> he's actually doing the exact same things he was. He's just making his shots now. Yeah, like is that really an improvement? On the other hand, you could say he was playing or he was shooting it so poorly in the first half of the season, like he was going to improve. Like he wasn't that bad of a shooter. Mm-hmm. But I just want to go through some of these. So in the restricted area, as a starter. Shot under 50%, 49.5%, which is awful. Woof. 3.6 attempts per game. Off the bench, he's shooting 65.1% in the restricted area, three attempts per game. Pretty good. That's a jump of 15 percentage points. Okay. Corner threes, as a starter, shot 28%. Currently, as a bench player, shooting 50%. Again, that's going to even out, but like he can't be a 30% shooter from the corners. Like if he can be a 40% shooter from the corners, yeah, we might have something. He's a player. Above the break threes as a starter, 26%. Off the bench, 25%. Stop shooting abru- above the break threes. Yeah, <laughs> still still yeah. very bad. Stay away. Still very very bad. Uh overall three-point percentage, 27% as a starter, 32% off the bench, most of that, like I said, is coming from those corner threes. 
True shooting percentage. True shooting percentage. As a starter, 44%. 44. That's bad. bad. It's real bad. Anything anything under 50 is like bad. And he was at 44. Yeah, he was atrocious. Yeah. Currently, off the bench, true shooting percentage, 59.1. 59.1. Stay on the bench, Bays. Free throw percentage as a starter, 65%. Off the bench, 77%. And finally, net rating as a starter, minus 14.6 points per 100 possessions. Off the bench, minus six points. Obviously, it's still going to be, be negative, but yeah, even an improvement there. He's massively improved. A lot of that, as I just described, is just from shooting better. Yeah. But I do think that is giving him some increased confidence and the other parts of his game are are flourishing or or we're noticing them more because his offensive game isn't so terrible that like we can actually look at other things. Mm-hmm. Um but you know, defensively, you brought up that stat about the blocks and the turnovers. I think that's a, on the Monday show. I think that's really a cool stat. Isn't that isn't that crazy? It is because I was trying to think like, is there any bad way to spin this? Because- I asked Mark about it, but pregame, I and I was that was the the spirit of my question to him. Yeah, was Mark there? He Darius Baisley has fifty blocks this season, and he's got like forty something fouls. I said the next lowest guy in the fifty block club in terms of fouls is Anthony Davis, who has seventy five. I said it's a crazy low number, and Mark said he didn't. He was like, "Oh, I didn't know this." And I said, "Is this?" I said, "It seems good." <laughs> right. But, however, is there like is there something else in there that I'm not seeing where maybe this is like him not being aggressive enough or him like what? Like, please, like spell this out for me because I don't I don't exactly know what to do with the number, and he he went into this big spiel about how we think about efficiency as an offensive stat only and really as a shooting stat only. He said what what Darius has done this season on the defensive end is become a really efficient defensive player in that he really does never foul and he is blocking shots and he's getting steals and he's and he's like and he's not just he said, it'd be one thing if this were a guy that were was just like garden guys in the corner. He said, he's playing against real players and not fouling. He said, and that's what's really impressive, is that he's guarding good players almost every single night. So he just he kind of chalked it up to like Darius Baisley is like a really efficient defensive player. Um, you know who else was a very efficient defensive player? Because hmm. I just looked it up. Hmm. Serge Ibaka. Yeah. In uh, 2011, 2012, yeah. two, 241 blocks, 179 personal fouls. Wow. 2012-13, 242 blocks, 213 personal fouls. He wow. did it twice where he had more blocks than fouls. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Baze is definitely not Serge Ibaka. But, what, or is he? But he's definitely... <laughs> Been what? If, what if he added like thirty pounds? <laughs> Just instantly. What's his What's his updated weight? Do we have an updated weight? On no, days? he's still real skinny, man. He's still yeah. really skinny. 
Let me see how, how, how heavy a Baca. I guess this is his current weight, though. But yeah, Baca was like at 235. I mean, and Bays is around 208. If they extended Bays and gave him like a three year, $15 million deal or whatever, and he was just your big mm-hmm. off the bench that was just kind of doing stuff, like that's kind of great. Like he's been he's been a helpful player that I think can help when this team is ready to be good. The, if he's in this role where it's just like, hey, listen, your offensive game is pretty much stripped down. There's nothing there. Like you can right. dunk, you can shoot corner threes. That's about it. If you have a straight line drive to the basket, go for it. If not, you pass the ball along. And then defensively, he's kind of a menace out there. It's been he's he's been really good and deserves a ton of credit for the way that he's played in the last few weeks. Yeah. I agree. Which is why I wanted to uh, bring him up. Uh, okay, rising stars. We got Josh Giddy in the game wearing Clorox. That's right, Josh Giddy. These these jerseys are nice, sick, super sick. They really <laughs> are. They're the, the best like all star jersey out there, right? <laughs> well, that's a low bar, Andrew. Hey, the bar's low, but it's true. It's just true. no. The, those jerseys. I mean, yeah, I guess if you're legitimately a fan of the Clorox brand, if you like work for them. <laughs> I could see liking those jerseys because all even the colors kind of match Clorox's. They look like cleaning supply jerseys. Oh, they're awesome! I love cleaning. Love cleaning. Well, you should you should get one. That I can should. be your first Giddy jersey. That'd be my thing. Uh, I don't really have any issues with the rookies. Do you? The rookies? No, not really. I mean, it's such a great class. There are obviously other guys you could slot in there, like Kubinga or whatever. But like. It's such a good class that hasn't yes, pl- hasn't played enough, you know, compared to all the rest of these guys. I know, but I mean, Suggs has barely played, and Suggs made it. That's true. Suggs has been better recently. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we remember coming and the and the Warriors fans like credits to them. Like the Warriors fans are incredibly loud when he plays well, and there's but there's been a lot of games where Kaminga has not been good too. So, yeah. <laughs> what are you, what are you, a Jonathan Kaminga defender now? Like, what's going on here? No, I just, I just really wish the Thunder had gotten a second pick, second lottery pick last year. I just like so many of those guys. I know, man. I, I mean, like Moody. Oh man, I wish we had Moody. I, I realize yeah. that I'm coming off like his best NBA game, but like, just the idea that the Thunder would have a rookie who could hit six threes in a game. Yeah, I'm with you. As he did last night, I just, I just really like him. I I understand why people don't think his upside is amazing, but he just has everything else I'm looking for. I like him, even like Primo. Like Primo's looked really good in the minutes that he's yeah Spurs. yeah. I like him too. The only one um, and and praise the Lord above the Thunder to not take this guy is James Booknight. It's been like one of like the only guys in the top, you know, fifteen that's looked not good. Yeah, for real. Yeah, I mean. And and the idea behind him, I mean, he definitely has the mentality. He's got the mentality. That, <laughs> he's got that. And that would have been very similar to like a Trey Mann pick, like a supercharged version of it. Yeah. But a- after, yeah, right now I'm, I'm not feeling bad about that at all, obviously. Yeah. Uh, now the sophomores. It's weird, huh? Precious Achua. What is, is, having go- what like is going on with one, him? He's been horrible. One of the worst seasons in recent memory from a big man. Yeah. Well, in terms of like where he's getting his shots and how poor he's shooting. I don't understand. He's shooting forty three percent, twenty eight percent from three, 
54% from the line. He's almost in the singular zone. And then if you look at his, let me go to his uh, finishing around the rim. He is shooting 40. Oh, it's actually not as bad as I thought. I thought he was doing like terrible in the restricted area. What is he? He's at 58%. Yeah. He, he must still, have been really bad be. early on. He's a big guy. He <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's regardless, he, he should not be on the on this team. Yeah, there's... I mean, if you want entertainment, which all the rising stars should be... Yeah. Alexei Pokushevsky. I mean, there's... Enter- <laughs> entertain the people. There's entertainment there, that's for Put sure. Put him in the three-point contest. Put him <laughs> in the skills. Okay, which, which of the all-star events do you yeah. think Poku would be the best in? Skills, three point, or slam dunk? I guess skills by default. <laughs> you don't want to see what Poku could come up with for a dunk? No, <laughs> no, I don't. Uh, I don't. I don't understand the uh, no love for Anyeka Kongwu. I mean, he. I. I. I think he's very good, but it's the same kind of thing where he like just kind of started playing. I know. I mean, I know, but Precious has been playing and terribly, and Akongwu has just started playing and playing great. It seems like a pretty this is a no brainer thing yeah. to me. Well, Okongwu was peeved about it. He should he, be peeved. He tweeted and, out about it. I don't it, think he should be peeved. Who like cares? Jade, Who would want to play in this game? Jaden McDaniels too has not had a very good season for the Wolves. That was kind of an interesting pick. Yeah. It should be sort of fun. The only reason I'm interested this year is the the format change and then seeing the G Leaguers. Yeah. Specifically uh Scoot. I I'm very excited that Scoot's Sco- going to play because Scoot's not coming to the NBA for a couple of years. I thought that they may hold him back and play him in this next season. Cuz isn't he still 17? Yeah. Like he's he's not yeah, because he's not eligible for the draft. That's pretty cool. Yeah, for him, really cool. And like, what if he goes out there and is whatever? I mean, everybody talks about him as like this generational type point guard. Yeah. Uh, if he goes out and he's like the best player. And what's cool is really because cool. with the new format, it's not like he's just going to be on the end of a bench. Yeah. For one of these two teams, like there's only seven guys on the team, and they're playing to 50 points to start off with. Yeah. So like, he's going to get. We're gonna to get to see a little something. Well, and we get to see Jaden Hardy, and like, what does this is so, that piece of it? Like, I could really care less about the rookies and sophomores, honestly. Like, but that piece yeah. of it is so interesting because you get to see these guys and what they would look like against NBA players. Like, it's just like a free look. It's like, hey, every NBA GM have a free look at Dyson Daniels. And see what you th- and and see what you think of him. Look at Jaden. Get a look at Jaden Hardy. And what he looks like whenever Jalen Suggs is guarding him, or Davion Mitchell is guarding him, and let's see what he can do. Like I, if I were those ignite guys, like, you better be pretty freaking confident in what you can do, especially if you're not Scoot. Like Scoot, it doesn't really matter because he's still got a whole another year. But these other guys, if Jaden Hardy goes out there and just completely flops. Like, this actually could be bad for his draft value. You know what I mean? Well, especially because I think most NBA fans, even the ones who are fans of bad teams and are looking forward to this next draft, 
a lot of them aren't watching college basketball games every day. I yeah. sure as hell am not. I can't yeah. stand watching college basketball. I will watch like YouTube highlights and people talking to me, talking me through film, but I like cannot sit down and watch full college basketball games. But all those same fans are going to be watching this game, and so they're going to have an opinion about Hardy and Dyson Daniels because it will be one of the few players that they've like seen, yeah. even if it's only for a few minutes. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see how that changes the conversation around those guys because this has been a weird year for the G League Ignite guys compared to last year where everyone kind of knew about Kuminga and Jalen Green. Yeah, I mean, imagine those guys at last year's All-Star game getting to play like that would have been so cool <laughs> would have been awesome yeah <laughs> would have been really cool here's the uh the list the rising stars list um devin vassell i i don't understand the deal with that like jason tate's been good um sadiq bay has played well recently like jade mcdaniel's not been good like why wouldn't devin vassell get that spot like i just don't quite understand or precious spot like i don't some of these selections I don't get. And also, did you listen to any of the TNT broadcasts on this? I did not. I just heard people tweeting about how sad it was. I mean, they just... It was it was one of the more pathetic shows. And I usually just don't care about like what TNT puts out there. Usually it's like entertaining and it's funny. But it was kind of embarrassing. I If I were their producer, I'd be incredibly embarrassed. Because it was... They couldn't pronounce names. They didn't know who these guys were. Franz Wagner. It's just like, do you, like, like they just don't, they didn't know these guys. They didn't know who they were. They knew like LaMelo and Anthony Edwards and Tyrese Halliburton. And those were the guys that they knew. And it's disappointing because this rookie class has been really good. Like you look up and down that list and every single one of those guys has, been really good has put in the work like you should know who all of those guys are like there's there's no a lot of times there's a lot of no name guys on the rookie and sophomore lists on the rookie list there's like zero no name guys like there's there's yeah. not like the thunder had poku and teo on the rising stars last season that's because the rookie class just wasn't very good this year I mean, this is going to be an all-timer rookie class with Scotty Barnes and Cade Cunningham and Evan Mobley, and I think Giddy is going to be on that list, and Herb Jones is going to be an NBA defender for a long, long time. I think Franz Wagner is a really good player. I still think Jalen Suggs has the chance to be a really good player. And you just they didn't know any. I mean, they didn't know hardly any of them, and it was just kind of pathetic, honestly. That and their and their excuse at the time was. We're just now getting this list of names. Hey, buddy, there's actually a way for you to look at a list of names before you get the actual list, too, to, to know if you... And you can even <laughs> whittle it down, sir. You can whittle it down beforehand and figure out how these guys' names are pronounced. I mean, he's announcing the names of these guys and mispronouncing them as... It's, as an NBA product, like that, it just doesn't get much worse than that. To me like that's that just like shows your incompetence and I, I i would be just so frustrated by that i will say that you mentioned that last year's class or last year's draft was so weak but you look over it now it's really impressive what that class has turned into in only a year it looks a lot better 
it's pretty amazing because I mean, and the big jumps are obviously Maxie and Bane. Bane, because yeah. now you add those to like Halliburton, Lamelo, and Anthony Edwards, and all of a sudden it's like, wow, that's like five legit guys. Cole, and then there's still other guys well, that we Cole like Anthony, too. Cole Anthony has like legitimately made a jump this season. For yeah, I've not I've not been a fan of him ever, <laughs> but. I cannot deny what he, <laughs> for, what he's done this season. He's been good. Like, he's been really good for them. And Okoro's been good for Cleveland too. So, and Jayshon Tate too. Like that guy, that guy's got a lot of juice. I'll say that. He's good. Let me ask you something because uh, th- this might just be a dumb dumb take. But uh assuming like contracts are equal, who would you rather have? Would you rather have actually now that I'm seeing how how he shoots never mind I'm I'm not going to say this out loud. What were you going to say? <laughs> well, I've been really interested in the conversation about Matisse Thybul. Yeah. Because after our conversation about comparing him to Robertson, yeah. It did make me start to think about like would I want Thybul on my team and how much would I want to pay that player? Yeah. Because Thybul gets talked about in like the NBA landscape in the same way that like Lou Dort gets talked about, where it's like this yeah. really exciting young prospect, but his offensive limitations are so significant. I will I will say the thing that he has on Robertson is that he can actually hit his free throws, so at least you don't have to worry about that horrible scenario that we had to live through. Yeah. But like that type of a player, I just don't know if I'm interested in having those guys on my team anymore after the Robertson experience. As good as Robertson was you are putting yourself at such a disadvantage in certain respects, especially in a playoff scenario. Like, if I knew everyone on the team around Thibault was a shooter, obviously I would feel better because we saw what happens even if you just have, like, two non-shooters on a team with the Thunder. And so I'm just just wondering how you think of his value. And I was going to ask you about him versus Jayshon Tate because everyone, I'm assuming, would take Thibault. But I just feel like Jayshon Tate does so much more, but he's also not a, an amazing shooter, but at least he is willing to shoot. And I just feel like he does more on the offensive end. Yeah. They're, they're, I mean, they're cut from the same cloth in a lot of ways. Um, Jayshon's got a much better handle than Matisse does, certainly. I think I would probably... I would rather probably... If I'm a contending team, I don't know that I want either of them. <laughs> To be honest, <laughs> just because of the offensive limitations, yeah. Um, but I, I would probably still want Tybal. That's probably who I'd still want. Um, yeah, I'm interested to see what he gets on his next contract. Yeah, because I think if he got a Robertson deal, like 10 million a year, you'd feel fine about it. But yeah. I just wonder if he's going to get more than that. I was going to say 10 million a year, but that was all. That was, how long ago was that? And how many right, that was ago like five was years that? ago? <laughs> like it was like a lot. I mean, the money now is just different. Yeah. Do you buy um, Tybal's free throw shooting though? Because I mean, he was 44 percent the year before. That's a good point. Yeah, it, it it may end up turning into a problem because there were years where it wasn't a problem for Robertson, and then it just suddenly you know what he fell is this year from free from the free throw line. You know what? It's he's 10 of 14. Oh really? Okay. Well, never mind. <laughs> I won't games. give him that edge then. The year before, he took in sixty-five games. Al, he took eighteen free throws. See, that's he just scares me, and the way people talk about him, there's just like it's all it's always only focused on everything he does well. 
which yeah. is great. And I think that's a healthy way to talk about players. But at, at some point, I just feel like that's going to be an issue for whatever team he's on. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Robertson, his first, his rookie season, he only played 40 games. He took 10 free throws. But then, like, in the other years, like, he took, like, 48, 54. In 16, 17, he took 111. And he shot poorly. But, I mean, he took to take 18 free throws. It's just kind of astonishing. Yeah. It's just kind of, that's a mind-blowing number. Robertson in his final season with the Thunder, which I would call the 17-18 season, his final season before he had the major injury, he was 31% from the free throw line. Yeah. It, I mean, he definitely was like one of those Beedrins guys where it's yeah. just like, it. he loses it and it's just gone. It's gone. 12 of 38. You know, and from and the thing that with Robertson that he could do offensively is that he was like good as a screen setter and like a short roll guy and he shot 62% from two mm-hmm. you know like he could always do that and was always more of kind of like a big on the offensive end and play like toward the dunker spot and stuff like that if they just found a way to keep him out of the corner you know yeah, yeah I, I personally I like Robertson I like those guys I'd rather not root for those guys <laughs> Those kind of players again. <laughs> yeah, and I, I like have no interest in drafting a player like that ever again. I think you could even like back in the Robertson era. I mean, that was like the three point era was becoming like you're having the big boom, mm-hmm. but still, I feel like you could almost get away with it then. Yeah, I really just don't know if you can get away with it anymore, especially with Shea and Giddy. Like, I'm out on having a player like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, for sure. I think but that we're, I think that we're all even barely in on having Dort with those with those guys and Dort is not the offensive liability that Matisse and Robertson, you know, yeah. are. Yeah. Well, hopefully Presty feels the same way. Hopefully so. <laughs> he didn't take <laughs> Matisse. He didn't try to get him in the draft. Yeah. Which I think is positive. <laughs> Yeah, James Anderson, I forgot about this, but uh, when Vecini and Partnow did their draft, oh, a yeah. redraft, he took uh, Matisse over Dort. Yeah. Um, and I do think that's an interesting question because it kind of gets down to like, because I, I, I think what Matisse does at his like apex predator defense level is probably better than anything Dort does, even though Dort is also a good defender. Yes. But the limitations of Matisse. Whereas like Dort, even though we talk about his inefficiency, we also recognize he's probably playing in a greater role than he'll ever play again in his career. Mm-hmm. You can imagine a shrunken down version of his offensive role right now, combined with his defense being very helpful yeah. for any team and much easier to work around. Yep. Whereas Matisse is like this huge roadblock on offense. It's a problem. I mean, you just when you take basically take everything off the table on that end. Like in this NBA, it's too difficult. If this were twenty years ago, that give me Matisse Tybal. And that's why, like the conversation about Simmons, like, oh, he's the one thing this Sixers team is missing. I keep hearing like I'm sure that's coming from Philly. Yeah, it's like I mean I I get it, but you then you have Simmons and Matisse and. Now you're probably only playing Matisse like 15 minutes a game. Yeah. You can't play those guys at the same time. 
I, I don't know. Th- that that Simmons article yesterday was so funny. Bro. I can't believe the day after the Sixers have this like incredible win over the Memphis Grizzlies without Embiid. Yeah. One of them. Tyrese. What a fun finish. I was actually at the Thunder game watching the Sixers game. <laughs> like to release that. I mean, I, I guess I get it that it probably wasn't their decision to release it on that particular day. Yeah. But it just sounded like so weak. Yeah. It was just like lame. Like it I came across as lame yeah. to me that he's like making all these excuses still. Like it dude, I, it, if my team traded for Ben Simmons at this point, knowing what the team would have to give up, I would be pissed. Yeah. Like they they've started talking about Bradley Beal because the Wizards are trash. And they just lost again last night. They're they're in the eleventh seed right now. Yeah, it's bad. Like that, even as a Wizards fan, I guess you would be happy because you're getting out of this Beal decision this summer, and so at least you're not giving Beal a supermax and yeah. running back the Gilbert Arenas and John Wall decisions. But man, I would want something other than Simmons in addition for giving a Beal. I think they would get something in addition. I think yeah. they would. I think at this point you'd have to. You'd absolutely have to. Because if you just if you open up the market for Bradley Beal, like you get a lot. You know. You, you would get a lot, but at the same time, like he's an unrestricted free agent this summer. Like you'd have to you have it'd have to be a team who felt super confident. It's not just gonna be the Orlando Magic. No, like, no, 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 giving- no, 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 no. No, I think it's the Sixers and or Warriors or somebody like that. Yeah. You know. And I think I would honestly if if my option was Simmons plus pick yeah. or or the Warriors guys, what would you what would you rather have? I'd rather have the Warriors guys. I'd rather yeah, have like too. a true I and also because of this, it gives you a a true reset. Right, yeah. Where Simmons is like a quasi reset, which is why I think the Rockets went the way that they did. And which is why I think if the Wizards had the opportunity, they'd probably choose the Philly package because, like, yes. that just seems what the, wizard, like, yes. what the Wizards it's, would do. It's exactly right. And it's all about, like, the goals of whatever the organization is and the, and the goals of the Wizards is, let's try to be good today. You know, that's why, that's why they do everything that they do. And, it's, and it honestly is why they probably will not end up trading Beal is because they want to be good today. <laughs> Even though there's almost no evidence to suggest that that's possible with Beal, like yeah. how are they getting the level A player? The Wizards have shown they don't need evidence. Beal is clearly not; it cannot be your be- a best player on a good team. No. Even last year, and they weren't good last year, they but they good. came on at the end of the year. It was all because Westbrook yes. went on that crazy streak. Like he was yeah. the heart and soul of that team. Like Beal played a lot better than he's currently playing. He's currently awful. He's playing. He's shooting like thirty percent from three or whatever. Yep. But like Russ was the alpha on that team. Obviously, yep. that's why if I were Brad, I would be looking for somewhere else to go. Yes. What is he talking about? He <laughs> he's saying that he like wants his legacy. In DC, like what? What legacy? This is this is why I might want to trade for him if I'm the Thunder, because it's like if you just show him just a little bit, he might just be like, "This is great. I love this." <laughs> you know, look at Nick Collison. Nick Collison's got a got his jersey here. You can have legacy here too, Brad. Yeah, I mean, I get that. Like, 
both in the case of he and John Wall, like those guys did a ton in the community. Yeah. And like people in DC seem to love those guys as people. Yeah. But in terms like there has to be an on court component to a, a basketball <laughs> legacy. <laughs> like, there has to be something. Question. If the Thunder let's say Brad Brad doesn't get traded by the deadline. The Thunder get crap lottery luck where they're sixth again. And the Wizards call. And they say, we'll take the sixth pick and three other future picks for Brad. Would you do it? No. Okay. What well, you would you would think about it? I would think about it. Yeah. He he I mean, do you know Brad Beal, because he came into the league so young, he always in my head is like twenty three years old. Yeah. Twenty five years old. Yeah. Like he's going to be twenty nine next year. I know, I know, I know that. And and he still has several years ahead of him where he should be good. Like I'm assuming he will learn to shoot again. He should, yeah, his game should age well. But he needs to be on a team where he can be like the second banana to whoever. Like Philly would be great. Philly would be great. I don't know if Boston would be great. Like that's what everyone says because him and Jason Tatum are friends. But those, both of those guys seem like if if Boston non-alpha. with Jalen Brown and Tatum aren't good, you're basically adding a little bit of offense and taking away a ton of defense. And you think that's going to make your team better? And also just adding another weird chemistry guy. Like Beal needs to be with a number one option. Yes. And and Jason Tatum is that on the court, but he is not that like. Just as a guy, mm-hmm. like Marcus Smart, is there? Is that for Boston? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think that I would do the Beal deal for the Thunder, but I at least Beal Beal have to think about it at least a little bit. But the th- but also the problem with that the thought with that trade is that that is not the kind of package that the Wizards would even look at. So I mean, I think it's, it's yeah, a, seriously, yeah, they a, would like want Dort. And Kenrich. And <laughs> I'll give you Dort and Kenrich for Beal. <laughs> you might be able to keep the six pick because I don't know if they hey, want anything with that. Real quick, did you have to go anywhere? Um, I've got I've got a little bit. Can we just uh, talk about the Jazz real quick? Because yeah, because uh, I, yes. I really just yeah, want to yes. lay this out because yes. I just think the Jazz are like so screwed right now. Yeah, and it's and some people are talking about it, but I just don't think it's being recognized how screwed they are and why I brought up that idea yesterday on Twitter of the idea of OKC getting in the Joe Ingalls business in some fashion. Yeah. Yeah. Because when he, you know, a week ago when they were talking about trading Joe Ingalls plus a pick, the other team could look at Joe Ingalls. Yes. He's fallen off a little bit, but he could still contribute on Mm -hmm. a team. Now he's not going to be contributing at all. He's going to be out until probably next February at the earliest. He's an expiring contract. So now it's purely just a contract. So the options for the Jazz now are to trade for a contract that the other team wants to get rid of that is longer than Joe Ingles, or they just have to start looking at reducing their luxury tax bill because they're, what is their, I think their luxury tax it says it's sixteen million over, but I think the total cost right now is thirty nine million. Yeah, I think that's right. 
yes. for their luxury tax. Yeah. $39 million for this Jazz team that has never made it out of the second round. Yeah, it's bad. That's a lot. It's really bad. So their options are to trade for a worse contract that goes on longer, mm-hmm. and you're just locked in at that point to whatever that bad contract's going to be. Or can you get someone who's on a lower contract and try to shave some of this money off? And that's why I think like them going for Kenrich is such a smart idea or Dort, I guess. But it's such a smart idea because you get a functional player who you immediately can plug into a playoff rotation and you're saving yourself with luxury tax implications probably like over $20 million. Mm-hmm. Because if they don't trade Joe Ingles, they cannot use that space this summer. Like it's just gone. Yeah, it's gone. The they have to gone. do something now if they want to replace that space because they're already going to be over the tax even if Joe Ingles isn't on this team because of the deals for Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, Mike Conley, Bogdanovich, Jordan Clarkson. They have to do something with it this deadline mm-hmm. or it's just gone. Poof. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you factor in what if Mitchell doesn't come back for a little bit longer? He's he's having weird con- concussion symptoms. Yeah, Rudy Gobert is still out with a calf strain. Yep. What if they keep tumbling down the standings where all of a sudden they fall below the Mavericks who are playing much better? I don't know if they're going to fall below Denver, but who knows? Like, what if they fell into the sixth spot or even into the play-in? Because they've lost, I think they've lost 11 of their last 14 games. And now you're looking up at a first-round matchup against, like, what Like what if it was Golden State? that they had to match up in the first round. like, And they're just done. They'd be toast. They're just out of the playoffs in the first round. And that could happen as it is. I mean, they could play. They could lose to the Mavs. They could maybe lose to the Nuggets sure. if the Nuggets get back some of their guys. Yeah. And then what are you? Because everyone's been saying, like, if they lose in the first round again, like, everything is on the table other than trading Donovan Mitchell, which is why if you could ever get that pick unprotected in 2024... It'd be hard to do, and I don't know why Utah would do it, because if you listen to the low post, I yeah. didn't even listen to the low post before I tweeted that, and then they brought up that exact scenario. Yeah, they did. On the low post, and Zach Lowe immediately dismissed it. Yeah, like, why would you ever give up a pick? for? And he was just talking about like a future pick, protected pick, for yeah. Kenrich Williams. But it's like, what else are you going to do? What else? You have to do? do something. Yeah. Like, uh, McKelly Barra in our group text brought up the idea of Marcus Smart, which, go look at that contract. He is getting paid $21 million in 2026. That is a bad contract. And I agree he'd be a sort of good player to bring onto the Jazz. I think he'd be decent on the Jazz. Yeah. But I do not want that contract long term. Yeah. That's not, it's not great. Four, it doesn't even start. Hadn't started. Oh, wait. Yet. No, it, it did start. Okay. Oh, yeah, 22. Yeah, we're in 22. Yeah. Actually, I think that it doesn't start because I know it's 2025-26 on the end. So, yeah, it starts yes. next year. It starts, so, it's yeah, four more years. Yeah, 17, 18, 19, 21. And, like, some of the other names being floated out there, like uh, Josh Richardson Josh Richardson. Why would from the, the Mavs Celtics. do that? Like, what are the Mavs, why, what are the Mavs doing, doing that trade? Uh, no, Celtics. Oh, Celtics, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm yeah. sorry, yeah. Um, which, like, sure, sorry. like, if, if that's your one option, but, like, 
they, you're help, losing in the first round. He's not helping round. you. Like Josh Richardson is not helping you. Like he's not a good enough offensive player. And he's not helping your cap either because I think he's still making like 10 million this year. Yeah. That's why I think like Kenrich Williams would be so amazing for them because he does everything that they need. Yeah. And he only makes 2 million dollars. It's very helpful in so many ways. And if you're not willing to go all in, now maybe we're overrating Kendrick Williams, fine. But if, if you're not willing to go in on something, then what are you doing? Because if you don't win in the playoffs this year, if you exit in the first round again, it feels like this version of the Jazz is over. I mean, we'll see if that happens. But, like, how many times can you run back this team and they do nothing? Mm-hmm. Like, think about the way people think about the Portland Trailblazers. Like, oh, this team is so, like, run into the ground and all of that. They made a conference finals. They did. Like, people talk about this Jazz team like it's some, like, golden era for the Jazz. Like, they've never gotten out of the second round. <laughs> That's exactly right. They haven't yeah. done anything. No. I guess, and I guess part of the problem is, is Kenrich taking you there? <laughs> no, he's not. <laughs> but but we, we sell them on it. And we get Nikias Duncan. We got to get him writing an article about Kenrich Williams. We shared it. We shared a lot. We retweet it. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I'm. I would be on board for this if, if they. I mean, you're taking on additional salary, which who cares? Because we we're gonna do that regardless. I don't even. But care I'm just about saying. That. I'm not. I'm not saying I care. I don't care about that either. But I'm saying like the argument for getting more from the Jazz is, hey, we are taking on. Your additional salary. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, it's two-pronged. It's two-pronged. We're and helping out your cap. We're and giving you a player that can actually play. And actually, I said that Kenrich wouldn't make the difference, but honestly, if they had one more perimeter defender last year, yeah, do they maybe beat the Clippers in seven? They might. Probably. 2028, top five protected. Would you do that? <laughs> Um. Yeah, I wonder why they do. I wonder why the the default is top five. Because wouldn't it wouldn't it make more sense to be top four since that's where you can jump up into? Uh, yeah, it would make more sense. Um, you, can make it, you can make it whatever you want at the time of like the actual trade. Yeah, but I mean, like, like we've talked, like think we makes sense. It saves like we've them a boatload of money. Helps, and like we've talked that. about previously, like OKC has so many middling picks like picks that can't be amazing yeah because they're lottery protected like i'm i'm just focused on can we improve some of these picks sure so i'd even be willing to like trade them back the 2024 if we could get like a unprotected 25 or something yeah yeah i think i would probably be willing or like send them back the phoenix pick from this year that's probably going to be the 30th pick if I can get a little more juice on a future pick that they're sending to us. Yeah. Like, I'm keep, willing to us do keep the 24 like pick, give them the Phoenix pick and say, give us a like top three protected 28. Right. Something like that. I would be willing to do just to have more primo picks going forward. Because honestly, Both- they could really use the 28th pick or the 30th pick or whatever it is in this draft to add cheap, the- cheap salary to a team and po- a possible rotation player. Like, I would do that. I If this team breaks up this summer, like, if they trade Rudy or if, like, Donovan Mitchell demands out, 
go back and look at what they did in the draft for a team that everyone considers is like so smart. Yeah. They have completely failed in the draft. It's been bad. For, since like Mitchell? Yeah. Like who have they gotten? And obviously they've been at the end of the first round, but it's, there's other teams in the league who have got found a guy. They took Udoka Azubuki ahead of Jaden McDaniels, Desmond Bain, Malachi Flynn. Uh, the year before, they traded their pick to us. Yep. For Darius Baisley. And then in 2018, they took Grayson Allen, who they traded in the Mike Conley deal. Yeah. To Memphis. That's not a bad pick, considering. Not a bad pick. Who was available. Yeah, that's not bad. But yeah, 2017. Who, let's just go them. one more. 2017. That was that's, when they took Donovan Mitchell. The, that's the Mitchell draft, which was yeah. Stellar. But the fact that this team is so old, like they just have no young juice. Like Jordan Clarkson feels like their youngest player. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure he's like 28 or something. Yeah. Also, Tony Bradley. And to, uh, they had the 28th pick in that Mitchell draft too. They took Tony Bradley over like Derek White, Josh Hart. How crazy is it that they've like they were so set on we just need to find a center who can play like Gobert but in our bench minutes. <laughs> That's what they were using their la- their last picks on. Tony Bradley and Yudoka Azubuki. So like bad. take literally anything else. So bad. They were so like locked in to defensive center surrounded by shooters. What do the Jazz have to do to get you to give them Dort? Just by himself or Dort and Kenridge? Just Dort. Just Dort. Well, according to uh, Nate Duncan, uh, I'm going to be getting two first-round picks. Uh, right now they got the 28 top five. Top, yeah, top five protected 2028. Yeah. 26. Um, I would take 20. I would have to do like top five protected 2026. Two. Yeah, I'd that? almost want to... Well, maybe not. Yeah, uh, I, I would need an unprotected pick for Dort. Because, again, this is helping their cap as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, tr- yeah, tremendously. Not necessarily for the future. And the great thing about Dort is like they could then extend him Yeah, and then have like a good That's, piece. Th- that, to me, I don't know that Kenrich is like the needle mover for them. I think this guy is. I think Lou is. I don't know that the Thunder are willing to part with him. Um, yet, but I don't, I actually don't think they would do this, but if you got like unprotected 2026, unprotected 2028, would you do it? Two unprotected? Yeah. Well, yeah, for two, I don't think Utah is going to do that, but yeah, I would do for two. I mean, who gets traded for two unprotected picks these days? I don't know, but if you care about (laughs) the core of this team, like that, like Lou helps you a lot. They don't have a guy like Lou. No, he w- he would be great for them. And like he, his shooting is not going to be as much of an issue because there's so many other shooters on that team. Like he, he's just not going to get to that volume that he's in right now with OKC. Mm-hmm. He'll take like four or five a game max mm-hmm. in Utah, and would give them a perimeter defender that actually moves the needle for them. Yeah. I, I'm just I, if I were the, if I were Utah, I would at least be asking about it. Yeah, I don't know that the Thunder would do it. 
They got Danny Ainge, the deal master. They do. <laughs> they, they got Danny. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I'm, I don't know. I think if they gave on two unprotected picks, you have to say yes. Um, I and, and I Hoopstock sixty nine brings up a question that a lot of people ask: Do you worry about how trading Dort would affect SGA? I mean, honestly, that's one of those things that like we can't say anything on like we don't know like the, the thunder if they were worried about it wouldn't make the trade i'm guessing like they felt comfortable enough with jeff green trading him when he was part of the Browingtons. it's part of the Browingtons, yeah up and coming music group those guys loved each other they just traded him away so like i'm confident that that wouldn't stop the thunder but they also know way more about that relationship than we do yeah and part of what I think didn't make it so bad is that you were trading Jeff Green for Perk, who is a player who came in and was right, like helpful yeah. right away. I think trading Dort for two picks, I think that might make some guys mad. Or it's like, wait, what did we get back? Like, I don't know what a player thinks about an, like an unprotected 2026 Utah Jazz pick. <laughs> you know what I'm I mean? guessing they don't care. They're like 2026. 20, like, wait, how old will I be? Then? Like, wait, wait, what? We did what? Yeah. I, I, I think that there are a lot of reasons why that deal will not happen or probably won't even be discussed. Uh, and one of them is I think trading Lou for just assets only. I think. I I think it would be a I think that trade is a good idea. I think that 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 is like process over results trade. Like that's like that's the process is doing doing that. However, I do think that that's a harder one to sell. Not only to the team, but I do think to the fan base overall. I think that that is a really hard. I think that would be a hard sell to to all. <laughs> To, yeah. to be honest. It wouldn't be for me. I would get it, and I would say do it. Um, yeah, because you're, you're Schmeagle over there with your picks. I am. I, I, would, I would definitely do that trade because I do think that helps set you up better later because if the Thunder get a good guy in this draft and the following draft and then you have a good team and, oh, the Jazz completely just fall off a cliff and we have their 26 and 28 while we're good... That's when you can really build something. Like that's when that's you can when build you, something. That's when you really can trade special. for any star. That's when you trade for Bradley Beal and you say, "Here's an unprotected pick." Yes, exactly. Hey, we have or the draft is an unbelievable one, and in 28, there's a generational star, and the Thunder have the third pick in a like 2003 like draft. I don't know if that's. I have no clue what the 28 draft looks like, but. You know, imagine if the Detroit Pistons actually got the right guy in the draft and picked like Dwayne Wade or Chris Bosch. Yeah. And added it to their already championship level team and didn't screw it up. You know, Dynasty. That's, I mean, seriously, the Pistons win how many championships if they took Dwayne Wade? Especially with that team, because I feel like those were all like team oriented guys. Yeah. And if, so you could, you, you, there was still room for like a big ego guy. Yeah, because Dwayne like, like won one. a title early in his career. Yeah, I mean this is this is what I'm this is this this is why you want and this is why the Clippers picks while it, it's hard to tell what they look like. This is why you wanted to kick the can as far down the road as possible. You know, 
The only time that screwed us, though, was with the Rockets. Because, like, how easy would it have been to get the 22 unprotected? And I, I wonder if Houston would have done that. Because they would have thought, of course we're going to be good. Yeah, I 22. know. Really, really interesting. Really, really interesting. All right. I've got to go now. Uh, thanks All so much right. for listening right. to the pod. Hope you guys have a great day. We'll talk to you guys again on Friday.